podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Friday, February 11th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. Virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from, such as if you're a UK expat and want BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four, you can get those things and keep your data safe with LibertyShield.com. Go to LibertyShield.com and use the code ROUTER50 at checkout to get your router half price. Get using Liberty Shield to access whatever it is you want to get hold of. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, I am joined today by Mr. Guy Drinkle to preview the weekend's matches. How are you, sir? I'm good, Dave. How are you? I am outstanding, Guy. Outstanding. Uh, full disclosure, we're recording this one in advance on Thursday, so we do not know what happened in Liverpool versus Leicester or Arsenal versus Wolves, just or Wolves versus Arsenal as yet, but um, we will try and do our best to preview and predict these games. And by predict, I mean get the scoreline completely wrong, as I do each and every week. But Guy, what do we have first? So first up, obviously, half 12 on the Saturday is Man United uh, v Southampton, which is on TV for UK people on BT Sport. Uh, Dave, Southampton, it's kind of game to game how they play, but Man United, it seems to be awful regardless of the result. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I said on yesterday's pod that the best performance I've seen from United was actually that first 45 minutes against Burnley, best under Ranić, I should say. But the second half was not was not very good at all. Uh, it's two wins from five for United, but only one defeat. So they are picking up points along the way. But Southampton come into this game full of confidence. Also two wins and only one defeat in the last five. So form very similar. But that big win over Spurs in midweek, should propel Saints into this game with a lot of confidence. Southampton will have no Alex McCarthy, no Lianco. Nathan Redmond, they hope, could be back. And Nathan Teller, they're hoping he'll be fit. Whereas with United, obviously no no Greenwood, no Tellez, and no Fred. They've both got COVID, uh, Greenwood, for obviously other reasons. Eric Bailly, they hope to have back, but he wouldn't be starting anyway. He's the number four centre-back. So United will be close enough to full strength. I assume Cristiano comes back into the team for this one. This is a really interesting game because this is, you know, master versus pupil, Ranić versus Hasenhutl. Very similar approaches to the game. 
in an ideal world, world, they'd set the teams up exactly the same way. And as I've said before, if Ranić is actually given the reins at Old Trafford in the summer, which I don't think he will be, but if he was, I think Hasenhut will be very high on the list of people he'd want as manager because Hasenhutl's view of football falls in line with Ranić's. Mm. Now, Hasenhutl has said that he intends to see out his Southampton contract and then potentially retire. I don't see him retiring at such a young age. I think that's that statement to me was more along the lines of, please don't ask me to sign a new contract here. Mm. It's not going to happen. If United came calling, I do think he would go. How do you think United want to take that? I think they'd be a little bit disappointed because I think they'd look at it more of him as the Southampton manager rather than him being a really good manager who will play a set style of play and actually give United an identity. And him and Ranić having had a relationship that's been very strong for years, having similar views on the game, they could actually in tandem really start to build something at United if given time. But United fans want everything now. And I spoke on Tuesday about United needing to to build a team, not buy a team. Hasenhutl will build them a team, but he won't go and buy it straight away. He won't go and splurge money because not how he operates. He'll want specific pieces for specific roles rather than spending big on the big name and then trying to shoehorn them into position or, or a style that doesn't necessarily suit them, which is what we've seen United do for years. Yeah, it's a stranger on with it, because I've always quite liked Hassan, who obviously Liverpool not too long ago weren't the best team in the league. He kind of joined during the Klopp era, obviously, but when he first joined, maybe think Klopp's successor, but I think we've probably moved beyond that. But as as United, I've I've always mentioned him for Arsenal whenever that's came up. Mm. But yeah, I think they're in, in were in similar enough situations. For uh, sure. They're yeah. they're where we were. Like they're yeah. They could finish fourth this season, mm-hmm. but they could just as easily as easily finish seventh or eighth because with mm-hmm. Wolves in the form that they in, they're in and playing so well, it's really tight between West Ham and Wolves. There's only six points in it, and Wolves have three games in hand on West Ham. So anyone from eighth up could get that fourth spot. Anyone from fourth down could finish eighth. Um, this is a big game for United. They're going to need a reaction. Obviously, that's back-to-back disappointing results against Middlesbrough and Burnley in games they will have expected to win. Um, But Saints will cause them a lot of trouble. And I think I'm going to go for the draw here. I think Mm. Brohia's speed and power up front, the movement they get in behind, Livermento attacking from right back is a nightmare to deal with. And United don't look capable of scoring a lot of goals at the minute. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go... I'll go 2-2. I think it'll be a fun game. Yeah, it should be good to watch. These games usually are. We'll move on then to, well, the next few games. I have a few Premier League strugglers in, but Brentford, Crystal Palace. Uh, Crystal Palace kind of, not really loads to talk about since we last did a Premier League predictions, which feels about a year ago now. Mm. But Brentford, uh, Man City aside, because it's Man City, who cares? I mean, losing that badly to... Everton in the FA Cup's not great, but they have been sliding down the table. We've mentioned Everton in a relegation uh, fight. A Brentford in it because their form's woeful. It is. They've lost five in a row. They're the only team in the oh, league yeah. with five straight defeats. 
And, you know, they are four points ahead of Everton, five ahead of Newcastle, mm. six ahead of Norwich. But they've played three games more than Everton, two games more than Newcastle, and one game more than Norwich. So they could easily find themselves dragged back in. The form has been bad. The FA Cup performance was, you know, a compounding it's of that. Yeah. yeah, but that's the thing. Like, people say, oh, you know, it's just the FA Cup. But look at the team they had out there. Mm-hmm. Reyes, first choice. Ayer and Ratan Janssen are first choice. It's the first choice midfield. You could mm-hmm. say Sergi Canos in for Roarslev. Canos had to play up front in that game. But Ivan Tony played. They're only missing really three starters from what would be close, maybe four starters. You'd it, say to me, it just seems anything outside the first eleven, it just drops. Like it just drops that off. right yeah, wing back. Not not to pick on him. That possibly the most stupid tackle I've ever seen last night on Sterling. Yeah. Awful, absolutely awful. He just does not look like a Premier League caliber mm. player. And, you know, I know he's only 22 and, and maybe there's there's room for him. And mm-hmm. the thing is, he's actually, he's a right back. He's not a wing back. Right, okay. I think in a flat four, he might be okay if he was just asked to defend and not have to attack. And he could sit nice and deep, tucking close to the centre back and have someone talk him through the game. Because there's things he does defensively that are quite good. He defends the back post quite well. He's pretty good in the air. He reads things well and sweeps across behind the centre-back. But as a wing-back, there's too much space. He definitely struggles on the turn, and we saw that with Sterling. I mean, when Sterling knocked that ball by him, he had a bit of three-yard head start in a five-yard race, five race, and Sterling still beat him. So that's concerning for sure. Um, it is just a thing where... Brentford have a pretty good starting eleven, and then very very little. You know, you look at the the front options. If Mbomo and Tony start, Wiss is good, but that's it. They've got one good option behind those two. In midfield, I would say the best trio would be Janelt, Onyeka as the kind of the the box to box number eights, and then Norgard as the six. Behind that, there's not much. I mean. Jensen's okay. The silver they have back finally fit after missing the first half of the season. He's all right, but he's unproven at the Premier League level. There's not a whole lot else. The Canos and Henry start as the wing backs. When one of them's out, it's Roarslev that comes in. And Canos um, is a winger to begin with. And Canos is exactly he's a winger to begin with. He, neither of their wing back right wing back options are actually wing backs or capable of playing there. And then at the back. I mean, Ayer's really good. Janssen is good in small spaces. When he's asked to do a bit too much, he struggles. Zanka's exactly the same. And Zanka can't really play with Janssen because both of them have to play that central role. Mm-hmm. And the starting left-sided one has been Pinnock. And I, again, I think he'd be much more comfortable in the back four than in this three because, again, I think he struggles with the space. I wouldn't be a big fan of Sorensen. What I've seen from him so far hasn't been promising. But again, he's still quite young and maybe there's something to develop there. And then obviously, Rea, who's not great to begin with, went out. Fernandez has been nothing shy of a disaster. And they brought in Jonas Lossel. He didn't look great in his outing. So hmm. it is a bit of a concern. Because Rea, Rea was, I know you weren't a fan of him, but he was playing well before he was his injury. Well, yeah, he, came... he played well against City by giving away that stupid pass yeah. for the De Bruyne goal. But he came back and like, that's a big error. And from what I've seen of the Everton game, two of the goals were probably his fault. Yeah, two of the goals were on him as well. And, mm-hmm. and like 
he's another one that like Pickford. He's he's very undersized. He seems like he looks when you watch him, he looks like he's about five nine, which is really small for a goalkeeper. Now he's listed at six foot. I would be that's very still quite small for foot. a goalkeeper. And it is, yeah, yeah, it is small for a keeper. I but I would be doubtful he's even six foot. Um this is a difficult game for them. Palace their form hasn't been great. I think they've only won one of five. But they are a good team. They're playing good football. They've got real quality in the likes of Elise and Zaha and Eduard and Gallagher from midfield. Brentford really needs something from this game. And the fact that it's at home, I'm hopeful they'll get something. I'll go a 1-1 draw. Is Tony back? Uh, let's see. Yanolt, doubtful. Tony, doubtful. That'll be a big blow. Mm. Zank is out. Fosu's out. Janvier's out. Eriksson not quite ready yet. If they don't have Tony, they'll be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yanolt, I think, will definitely make it. Tony's more doubtful than him. Koyate, they think it might be too early for him for for, for Palace. And Nathan Ferguson is just, he's been out for so long, he's just picking up kind of muscular niggles. So you'd hope that he will be back soon enough, but he does have a bit of a thigh problem at the minute. And it's going to be a long road for him, but they're not really banking on him too much. Koyate is the miss for them. Mm-hmm. But Tony's a bigger miss because he's, you know, even with only, what, four or five goals this year, he's still their main source of goals. Yeah, should be a, it'll probably be a struggle for Brentford, but any any points they pick up will be a bonus, really. Um which is strange to say at home, but without Tony, no goals, as you say. Moving on then to... Oh, God. Is it a relegation six-pointer? Or a Leeds not there yet? Um, Leeds are four points clear of Everton. They are, I suppose I just said Brentford are in it, and they're below Brentford. They are below Brentford, but they've got two games in hand on Brentford, and they're mm-hmm. in the same amount of points. And have won in the last five. <laughs> yeah, they've won two of the last five and gotten a draw uh, against Villa last night, which was a really good result. Really, really good result. And a really good performance the way they fought back as well. With their pace on the counter against Everton's defence, this could be a, a lot of trouble for Everton, who were shocking against Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um Leeds are getting players fit again. Liam Cooper's still out. Phillips is still out. Firpo is still out. Cresswell, they hope to have back. Greenwood is out and Bamford is out. So you're still missing your best centre-back, your first-choice left-back, and your, your only real striker. Everton, no Tom Davies, no Fabian Delph, no Ben Godfrey, no Abdelai Dekure, no Yeri Mina. Michaelenko has COVID and Damari Gray is out. So they're missing a lot of players as well. And they can't really afford to be missing anybody. Because again, as with other clubs, they've sort mm-hmm. of got a pretty good 11. And then after that, there's just trouble. As we know, without Yeri Mina, the defence doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Michael Keane is too slow. Mason Holgate's too small. Holgate is Holgate's an old-fashioned fullback, is what he is. He's been miscast, really. He's a centre-back. Did he play there for West Brom when he was on loan? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. When he first went to Everton as well, he kind of played a bit of right back, a little mm. bit of left back. Um, but I think he's like he's like five eleven, and he's not exactly got a like he hasn't got that not, big. Not Fabio Cannavaro. No, exactly. <laughs> he doesn't have that big leap on him. Um, 
In a back three, it's it's fine with Holgate because mm-hmm. he's quick and he can cover the spaces. What, what but... do you make of Frank using the back three? Because he was, what was he? He's 4 2 3 1 at Chelsea mostly, wasn't he? Frank uses a back three because he doesn't know how to sort out a defence. Well, that too. But, it's the yeah. first sign of a spoofer. Um, and it, it's also a sign that he knows he doesn't have good enough defenders just yet to trust in this kind but of relegation battle. They've just if he signed priest, two number 10s. They have just signed two number 10s. Which that is, doesn't make... Well, it is Everton. It's like. a very Everton thing that yeah. they won't sign four number 10s in one summer in Gilfie Sigurds and Wayne Rooney, Davy Klassen and Vlasic. And they're all gone for various different reasons which we won't get into. Yes, and the best of them is Vlasic who's the first one out the door. Um, I kind of fancy Leeds to win this. They attacked well last night. They did. Now, the big issue for them, obviously, is going to be Leeds are awful at defending set pieces. Everton have a lot of big fellas. But with Mina out, that's one less big fella. Dukuri out, that's another big fella gone. It's just Michael Keane, isn't it? It is just kind of Michael Keane and Calvert-Lewin. Richarlison's good in the air as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, but no Damari Gray means the best crosser of the ball they have is out. Michael Enko being out means somebody's playing out of position at left back. Townsend Townsend played yeah. there in the week and it wasn't pretty. I am going to say a goal. I'm going to go for a Leeds win. I'm going to go 2-1 Leeds because I don't know how Everton are going to stop Rafinha. If if Townsend is the right side of uh, sorry, the left wing back, oh, whoops. whoever plays left of the back three is going to be in big trouble. Who and then you're going to have... Well, so as things stand, they don't really have enough centre-backs to play It'd back. be that Braithwaite lad, wouldn't it? Could be him, yeah. Who did not, not look... Did great. not look good against Newcastle. No. Did not look good against Newcastle. So if it's Holgate, Keane and Braithwaite, I mean, Ooh. Dan James, Harrison, Rodrigo and Rafinha with the pace and movement and technical mm. ability will cause them a lot of problems. The, the issue will be, obviously, defensively set pieces and such. But I'll go with a Leeds win. I'll go 2-1 Leeds. Moving on, then, to Watford, who obviously need all the points they can get, and Roy's coming here to draw his way to to safety once again, but may run out of time. Against Brighton, who tend to lose these games, maybe mm. just going off reputation, but they always lose the games you think they'll win, and then win the games against other mid-table teams. That's basically how I see Brighton, but can Hodgson do a win, or is it just this just screams nil-nil, 1-1? Brighton do perform better against better teams, is, mm-hmm. is kind of my feel on them as well. Um, and they are getting McAllister and Trossard back, who've both had COVID. Then Wepu and uh, Sarmiento are both out, but McAllister and Trossard are Big big players for them. McAllister's and obviously, just broken the team, really, hasn't he? Yeah, and he's but he's he's been on the fringes for the last mm. couple of years. They're both very talented creators, and Trossard obviously can get can get you some goals. Uh, for Newcastle, for Watford, rather, no Nkulu, no Ba, unlikely to have a Tebow back. Ishmael Asar could be back, but obviously Ooh. he's been at the Afcon, uh, winning it with Senegal, and then Rob Elliott is back, but he he won't play. This does reek of a draw. It kind of reeks of a really dull 1-1. Brighton don't score a lot of goals. They also don't concede a lot of goals. But Emmanuel Dennis with his pace, his movement, and his intelligence, Josh King's pace, if Sar plays, that could cause Brighton some trouble. How do, um, how do you see Watford setting up with all that? What, Dennis, King up top, and then Sar on the right of a 4-4-2? 
Yeah, probably. Probably. If if Sarah's back, I think that's what they'll do. Because hasn't Cook has been playing Cook has been playing there and Cleverly's been playing yeah. the other side, and there's absolutely mm-hmm. no excuse for having either of them in the team. But um yeah, I think he'll stick with the four four two. He'll make them as hard to beat as he can. Mm-hmm. He'll take a draw. Roy will take a draw. But I think this is one that they may have tagged as potentially one they can win. Mm-hmm. They might just look at Brighton and think whether it's a whether it's a thing that Brighton overlooked these type of opponents or what I don't know, but they haven't performed well. It feels like against the bottom clubs anyway. Um, let me just actually let me just check that while I'm talking about it. Brighton, there's definitely some opt god god stuff going on. They just can't yeah, I mean, allow them to the, beat relegation team. That's the thing they 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 probably do dominate a lot of these games. So they did beat. This season they've beaten Burnley, they've beaten Watford. Uh, they drew at Norwich, which is a bad result. Mm-hmm. Um, they did beat Brentford and Everton, who are both bad. They've only won six games this season. They are weird, aren't they? Yeah, they're such a strange team. They've got Watford, Man United and Burnley coming up. As their next three, so you know, in in all likelihood, six points from the other two. <laughs> yeah, they, what what they'll probably do is like win against, say, United, draw against Watford, and lose to Burnley or something like that. Or I'll go for a draw on this one. It feels mm-hmm. like a draw. It feels like a draw. I'll go one one. I don't think it's going to be a particularly good game of football, to be honest. No, it's not one for the TV. But this next one is for some reason uh, Norwich against Man City. Uh, they just inform Norwich to you. Well, three games without a defeat, two wins and a draw. Um, well, they're about to lose this one. <laughs> yes, they are about to lose this one. Is this literally no on TV way... to just hope they do an upset again, like a few years ago? Basically, that yeah. is basically the only point of it. City are pretty much at full strength. Cole Palmer is out, but he wouldn't play anyway. Uh, Gabby Jesus, they're hoping to have back. He's got a couple of a uh, couple of issues, but they're hoping to have him fit. Obviously, they have one player suspended who we won't talk about. For Norwich, uh, Tim Krul is out. Sorensen is out. Rupp, they hope to have back. Omabamadeli, they hope to have back. Sargent, they hope to have back. They missed Sargent, I thought, against against um, Palace. Mm. Because what I saw was Tariq Mitchell having a lot of time and space to get into the final third. And Sargent... Has his flaws, but he's really good at tracking those runs. Uh, Quebec is ill. I think he's got COVID. Um, I think him and Sargent had COVID is, is what the case was. So, um, City are going to win this game. Like, there's, there's no real point in going into it. City are going to win the game. City are top of the league. They're playing really well. They've dominated most of the season. And there's no reason to think that Norwich are going to cause them too many problems. I'll go 4-1 to City. And with that, we're well, we're not halfway through because I forgot there was only nine games, but we'll take our ad break there, Dave. Yeah, we'll take the break and we'll be back in about 30 seconds. Right, welcome back. So, uh, we are previewing uh, this weekend's Premier League games. We've done Saturday on to Sunday. Four games on Sunday, um, three of them at two o'clock, which just really bugs me. Why not put one of them on at 12? Why couldn't there be a 12 o'clock kickoff so that we could get three games on TV? 
It is annoying. It is annoying. And one of these games that isn't on TV is Burnley-Liverpool. No excuses for Liverpool not to win this game. I mean, Burnley obviously drew with uh, United in midweek, but that is United. This is Liverpool. It, it should... I don't want to say easy, because Burnley's always a horrid game, especially for Liverpool mm. for some reason. But Liverpool, if they have any ambitions to catch City or whatever, or even finish top two... They have to beat Burnley. They do have to beat Burnley. They've got to beat Leicester tonight and Burnley at the weekend. And Burnley, Max Cornet has, you know, had some cramps in his thigh. That they'll be hoping he's okay. Charlie Taylor, they're hoping he'll be back as well. That'd be a big boost to them because he's a much better left back than Eric Peters. But Vidra and Goodmanson are out. So that's two dangerous enough options taken off the table. Liverpool should have Sadio Mane back. Um, at the moment, they've got Henderson and Origi with back issues, or Henderson's back issue, Origi has a knee issue, but they're the only two injuries. Now, we'll wait and see what comes out of tonight's game. But Liverpool should be at close to full strength, and if they are, they should win this game. Um, back-to-back wins for Liverpool after a little bit of a wobble. They need to close the gap on City, starting with beating Leicester tonight and then carrying that on with beating Burnley, because, like I said, before the break, City are going to beat Norwich and Liverpool have to keep pace. So you've got to go and you've got to beat Burnley. Burnley, bottom of the table, no wins in, well, one one win in 20. One win in 20. You can't allow them to make it two in 21. I'm going to go Liverpool 3-0. 3-0. Yeah, I think 3-0. Yeah, so I'll go with that. And um, I think it'll be a, a, a big test for them, though, because Burnley... The physicality, the grocky nature of them, I think it'll be a test for Diaz because he will never have seen anything like Burnley before. And it'll be a test for Liverpool's back line with Veghorst there because he played quite well against United. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have Harry Maguire. So, yeah, I should not say that because I'll jinx it. But hey-ho, we'll move on to Newcastle against Aston Villa. Probably one of the more interesting games of the weekend, Dave. I mean, Aston Villa... It's just interesting watching them because Coutinho's seemingly only a Premier League player for some reason. Uh, and we'll have to talk about Jacob Ramsey. He he looks like such a special player. He improves every time I see him. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting better and better the more minutes he gets, which is, you know, it's understandable. Um, he's also a player that's probably on a bit of a hot streak that's unsustainable over the course of, you know, two to three years. We saw... We saw Mason Greenwood kind of explode in that first season and then sort of, you know, revert back to a more normal performance level. And the same thing may happen to Ramsey. But what we do know about Ramsey is he times his runs really well. He's very, very confident, very aggressive. He's got good pace. A bit Lampardy, isn't he? A little bit Lampardy. But I think he's got a bit more about him in terms of carrying the ball mm. than Frank did. Uh, and doesn't have Frank's passing range, but that could develop in time. But he's really composed in front of goal. And that's obviously been very, very important to Villa in recent weeks. Coutinho's playing just brilliant football. Absolutely sensational mm-hmm. stuff. It's just for him now, it'll be a matter of just sustaining that across a 90-minute period rather than a 45-minute period. He was quite quiet in the second half against Leeds. But with the way he's playing, you, you wouldn't back against Villa because Coutinho's a you know, can get you a goal, can create something from nothing. Ramsey's playing well. Um, they've got 
Watkins up front, who's a, a pain in the backside. Dini has settled in and is playing quite well. He, Matty Cash is a good uh, Matty Cash is a good out ball on the right hand side. Now they will be without Ezri Kanza, mm. which is a big blow. What Mings do you make is, of Chambers and Mings as a centre back part? Yeah, I mean that's not good. Whether it's Howes and Mings or Chambers and Mings, it's neither of it is good. Isn't Howes left footed? He is, but they have played them together because yeah, you know, but I don't like that bit. I know you hate two left footed centre backs. Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> that's a little bit harsh. It is. It's so, disgusting. No marvelous Nakamba. No Ezri Conza. Buendia is a doubt. Coutinho will have a fitness test, but he had some cramps that just he didn't play for quite a while before he went there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leon Bailey, they're hoping to have back. He's back in full training, so that's a, a big plus for them as well. And then Bertrand Traore is back from the AFCON, so they'll have him back. So more options for Gerard. Buendia would be a big blow because I think he's really started to to enjoy playing with Coutinho mm-hmm. and there's a little two-man game with the two of them that, that works very very well and with him not having to be the primary playmaker Buendia is actually starting to I think find more space find more time on the ball um, Newcastle though come into the game on back-to-back wins with the best performance of the season behind them against Everton I think they'll be confident they did suffer the injury to Tierney or to Trippier rather so he's Almost certainly going to be out. I didn't notice that one. Um, Fernandez is out. Matt Target can't play because he's owned by Villa. So there's going to be a a change at left back. And with Jamal Lewis, both injured and not named in the squad, they don't have another recognised left back there. Is Matt Ritchie out? It's probably going to be Matt Ritchie. Mm. Oh, no, he's he's injured. He's out. He's out long term. So Paul Dummett, maybe? But he's in. Paul Dummett is injured. So... Well, I don't fun. know who's going to play left back. <laughs> uh, Maybe Mankio, who's played left back. might go back to your back three, I think, because wasn't Mankio playing left wing back for a bit or something? Yeah. And Kraft right wing back, and then whatever at centre back. Both of them are much better as. Now, if, if Dan Byrne is fit, Dan Byrne's yeah, no, left back. One, yeah. But if they play a back three, obviously Dan Byrne, the left side of it, is what they'll do. But. Mm-hmm. It'll be patched together at the back. Um, they have a lot of injuries at the minute, but if they can carry what they did at the weekend into this game or during the week into this game, it should be it should be a good contest. Um, how, how would you line them up in midfield? Because we don't know if Gimareesh will get his debut. Or I think it's his starts, first start. Yeah, but I think he starts. I think he'll start with because Shelby played really well, but so did, did. Joel, so did Jolet and Willock. To be fair. I'd probably go with Willock on the right, Shelby as the six, and Gamerish on the left. Put you and, further forward. And either, well, I, yeah, either put him further, further forward, maybe, or bring him off the bench, like mm. as a as an option, because you don't think, I don't think Gamerish will play all 90, and Willock tends to fade a little bit later in games, so mm-hmm. you can bring Jolington on for him. Or if, if Shelby's having a poor game, you bring him on for him and just move Gamerish across. Mm-hmm. It should be a good game. It should be a, a fun game. Obviously, Eddie Howe plays attacking football, doesn't really do much defensively. Gerard's team look very, very exciting going forward with Coutinho and, and Ramsey and Buendia and Watkins all playing quite well. With the home crowd, I think Toon will have a bit of an advantage, but New, but. Villa have the better players. The big concern, obviously, is at centre-back. Mings put in one of the worst performances you'll ever see against Leeds. 
I wonder if Gerard would have dropped him had Konza not got the right card. I wonder if he would have gone Konza house in this one if if Konza hadn't been suspended. I'll go for the draw. I'll go for a 2-2. I think this will be a fun game. Might even be the best game of the weekend. Mm. That'd be a really good point for Newcastle, to be fair. It would. It'd be a great point for them. Every point is a great point for them at this point in the season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And moving on to our next draw, Spurs v Wolves. Well, I say that. How bad are Spurs defensively? Awful. Mm. Awful. Um, Can Wolves take advantage of that? That's the main question. (laughs) No, not really. Wolves have scored 19 goals this season. Um, So for Spurs, this is probably the team they would want to play. But also, at the same time, Spurs haven't looked great going forward. And Wolves are outstanding defensively. The second best defence in the league after City. Mm -hmm. Now, Spurs did beat them at the start of the season. But Wolves should have easily gotten a point. Uh, Adama Traore, as he as he does, missed a bunch of chances. Wolves going into this game, as things stand, no Neto, no Bolly, no Johnny Otto, no Mascara, no Huang. The thing to note is that if Wolves win tonight, they will go into this game ahead of Spurs. Now Spurs would have a game in hand, but Wolves would be a point ahead of them. So they are right in that mix. These are two very kind of evenly balanced teams. Bruno Lage is a lot longer to work with his team than Conte. Mm-hmm. Conte definitely has more talent. Conte is the better manager, but Lage has been there all season, got pre-season with them as well. So he's sort of nailed down his methods there. I think I think this is a draw. I, I really do. I think this is nil-nil or 1-1 written all over it. I, I don't think it will be a very open game. I don't think there'll be many chances for either side. If I was picking a winner, I think Spurs are more likely, just given they're at home, given Conte went all in on them last night and ripped into them after the game. Um, they're hopeful to have Eric Dyer back. So That is not a good situation if you are missing Eric Dyer, though. Well, they yeah, are. But with how poor Davinson has been. He's dreadful, isn't he? He's, he's fallen off a cliff. He doesn't suit a back three. Davinson, it doesn't suit a back. No, in fairness. He was awful since, in a back four. <laughs> since joining Spurs, he hasn't suited a back four either. But, I mean, you can't be playing Ben Davies either. I just I don't understand. But, yeah, before Molly decided to stop our Davinson slander, I mean, how, how do you see... Uh, what What is Spurs? I mean, Eric Dyer, middle centre-back, Romero, right centre-back? I know Romero was the centre one at Atalanta, but I don't really want to see Dyer moving about too much. No, you definitely don't, don't want Dyer in the wide roles. With with a Conte back three and you know how he does want that middle role to be a bit more conservative, I think he'll go for Stefan De Vries from Inter Milan in the summer um, to play that role and maybe play Romero on the right where he can be a bit more aggressive. I think he'll look for somebody similarly aggressive, maybe someone like Lisandro Martinez from Ajax to play the left-sided role. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been linked to a few others, but he, he makes sense in that role, um, Martinez does. But, um, yeah, Dyer then, at least in the interim, is probably less of a liability as the middle one in a three than Davinson is as the right side of one in mm-hmm. a three. So that's probably what they do. I'll go with a draw. I'll go yeah. I'll go nil-nil. But I do think if there is a winner in this one, it's more likely to be Spurs. Just before we move on, does Harry Kane look any better to you? He does it. He does in spells, like in mm. short spells. He looks like Harry Kane, 
And then there's just big patches of the game where he just doesn't really seem... Do anything. <laughs> to do anything. And I don't think... Early in the season, I thought it was a lack of effort. Now, I think maybe he's just in a bit of a rut. And he he doesn't look... Do you think his legs are gone? Not... He looks heavier, mm. doesn't he, though? Like, he looks like he may, might be maybe a little bit over his ideal playing weight and it's kind of slowing him down mm. a bit. But I know he's changed since the potch days, but this is a lad who used to do... 12, 13k. Now he yeah. looks like he couldn't jog that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And you also have to factor in like the, those were hard, hard miles, the hard kilometers he's mm. putting his legs. A lot of injuries. And maybe that has taken its toll. Maybe his legs are starting to fail him a little bit. In mm-hmm. which case, they should have sold him in the summer because um, it's not going to get any better. Yeah, well, Newcastle exists now, so they'll pay it. It's fine. Um, what is the last? Leicester West Ham. Now, I don't want to say anything bad about Leicester because we haven't played them yet. But West Ham, um, obviously won in midweek, just about. Um, it's just, again, West Ham have to win regardless of what happens with Leicester tonight, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, basically. I mean... Leicester currently in the bottom half. By the time they play on Sunday, Palace could have gone above them. So they could be 13th in the league, which really would be very, very disappointing for this calibre of squad. And it doesn't get any easier after Liverpool with West Ham coming in, in fourth place, having bounced back after back-to-back defeats. West Ham go into the game pretty close to full strength. Ogbonna out and Masawaka out, but they've they've known those two be out for a while. I will be interested to see what happens with Kurt Zuma because obviously there's been quite a lot of fallout over the decision to play him the other day. Seems I, like I, the fine, the fine they've given him, he'll just do. Yeah, them. like a two week fine. That's the thing. The, the thing is, people are getting all bent out of shape because oh, it's fine two hundred fifty grand. He was fined two weeks' wages. It, it's two hundred fifty grand because he earns a lot of money. Mm-hmm. If he was on forty grand, he would have been fined eighty grand. If he was mm-hmm. on ten grand, he would have been fined twenty grand. It's it's relevant to what he earns, um, and obviously people want to compare it to the Suarez thing from years back. Obviously, first things first, a, a decade ago. Secondly, Suarez wasn't just fined forty grand; he was fined forty grand by the FA. He was also fined by Liverpool, and he didn't play for what eight games? Was it eight, seven, eight games? He got suspended for. I think it was eight. Yeah. So he didn't get paid his appearance fee for any of those games. Luis Suarez probably paid more in fines than Kurt Zuma's pay. It's just that... I think Luis Suarez has paid more fines than any footballer in history. (laughs) Most likely. Yeah, most likely, to be fair. Um, So yeah, Zuma probably will play. They'll probably just you know try and put their heads down and get past it. Mm -hmm. For Leicester, no Evans, no Castagna, no Vardy, no Fafana. Mendy should be back. Bertrand is out, and then we'll see what happens tonight if they pick up any new injuries. I don't fancy them to win this game, but I do think they can get a draw because I think they've got the firepower, even without Vardy. Like Madison and Thielemans from midfield, plus Barnes, Luckman, Ianacho, Daka. There's a lot of good players. I'll go for a 2 2. I think Ooh. it'll be a decent game. But I can see I can see West Ham dropping points in this one. You must uh, rate Sionchu higher than anyone in the world. 
It's not so much him. It's that I look at that West Ham defense and I see Matt. I see Craig Dawson, mm. and he's not very good. And I think if you go, if you put them, like go man for man, mm. I would rather have Casper Schmeichel over Fabianski. I would rather have Pereira or James Justin over Soufal. And I like Soufal. I think he's very good, but I'd rather have the Leicester boys. A left back, I'd rather have Justin over Cresswell, but Cresswell over Thomas. Um, I'd rather have Sionchu than Dawson, but you'd have Zuma I'm not sure on that one. I know Dawson's just Dawson, Dawson's but... Awful. He's awful. But Sionchu just... He's a... Sionchu's a form thing, though. Dawson's just a bad defender at this level, at this point in his career. Um, at this I'd... minute, though, how bad is his form? That's probably the oh, question. Oh, it's awful. There. Yeah, no, it is awful, yeah. to be fair. It is awful. But it, I, I, look, at worst to push. You'd rather have yeah. Zuma, obviously, than, than the other Leicester defenders. But move on beyond that. Mm. I mean... I'd rather have Ndidi than Suchek. I'd rather have Tielemans than Rice. I'd rather have Madison than Ben Rama. I'd rather have Barnes than Fornals. You'd take Bowen over Luckman. But I'd rather have Iheanacho over Mikel Antonio. So, Ooh, that's a overall... Shame. Oh, I think Iheanacho's outstanding. I think no, he's I think he's good. I just think Antonio's such a unique threat. He is, but he's also inconsistent. Mm. I mean, he's he's... You know, eight to ten goals a season. Now this season he's having a good year. I think he's got eight goals already. He'll probably get yeah. I think he's second maybe. in the goals and assist column. But yeah, I, I do agree. I think whether it's injuries or or whatnot, he does miss parts of the season. I would like yeah. to see people do, especially stats people who you know preach about goals per minute, assists per minute, goals and assists per minute, rather than just looking at the raw number. I'd like to see them put together lists of goals and assists per minute or, or minutes per goals and assist mm. across the season. And I think they'll be a little bit surprised at the fact that Antonio and Bowen will drop quite a bit down the uh, the list that they're currently mm. sharing all over social media. But I just think Leicester have the attacking talent. But uh, the question that, there, I mean, the point there is that... I agree. I, I probably agree with most of them, to be fair. But Leicester seems so toxic, not as quite as toxic as uh, ever. Well, Everton before the sack, Rafa, or say Man United. True. But it's getting there. Rafa, not Rafa. Uh, Brendan, we've we've seen this pattern at Liverpool before. He will start calling out players, and then he will oh, he lose will, the yeah. dressing. He did it at the weekend. He, or he did hmm. it. He did it against after Forest. Absolutely. We'll see what happens tonight in the Liverpool game, but. You know, at home, I, I do think we might just get a bit of reaction from the players in spite of the manager. Because we have seen this Leicester team put in really good performances at times in spite of the manager. And if you're going to be playing a team going for top four, West Ham are the one that are the weakest defensively and the one who can just, in games you expect them to win, just not turn up. They were really poor against Watford during the week. Hmm. And if they're not a lot better against Leicester, I think Leicester can take advantage. Look, West Ham may well win the game, but it'll be a good. I'll, I think it'll be a good watch. Either. It should be a good yeah. game. Yeah, I think yeah. it's of the four games on Sunday, Newcastle Villa and Leicester West Ham are definitely the two more exciting games. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. No, the ones on telly. Yeah, yeah, which is you know is a good sign. I think Everton Leeds will be interesting, funny. Funny. Funny is probably <laughs> better for And then United Southampton should be... Funny. 
No, well, potentially yeah. funny. It just depends on Harry Maguire. I yeah. really want to see Broly against Maguire just once. Yeah, just to see fun. what happens. But yeah, I mean, there's some good games this weekend. There's some less good games as well. But uh, yeah, look, it's going to be fun. It's it's nine games. Obviously, Chelsea, Arsenal's called off because Chelsea are away at the um, the World Club Cup, where I think they're in the final, having yeah, beat Al Halil. So, yeah, they beat Al-Halil 1-0 with a goal from Romelu Lukaku on 32 minutes. But they did give up quite a lot of chances. Um, right, they've took the bad form internationally. Some some relatively well-known players, obviously, in that Al-Halil team. Uh, Igalo, formerly of Manchester United and, I think, Watford. Um, Matthias Pereira, formerly of West Brom, who... Oh, Let's be honest, really should be in the Premier League. He was he's 25. He's really good. Mm. Really good. I'd love to see him back in the Premier League. Um, Musa Morega is pretty decent. He was at Porto for five or six years. Is he a West Ham? Uh, um, he may have been. No, no, that wasn't him. Oh, that's. I, I know the guy you're thinking there of. Was a, I think there was a Morega at West Ham. There was a at West Ham, wasn't there? Uh, Morega West Ham. Uh, He's something like Morega. They tried to sign ah, that Moose be, Morego yeah. in the summer because he was on a free. To be fair, West Ham did try to sign every striker in every the world. Every striker. Every striker. But uh, yeah, some decent players in that um, Al Halil team. Was a fairly strong Chelsea team. Kepa, Christensen, Silva, Rudiger. Aspie, Jorginho, Kovacic, Alonso, Zayic and Havertz behind uh, Lukaku. So not much in the way of pace in that team. But uh, they did get the 1-0 win and they'll go on now to the final uh, where they'll play Palmieri's on Saturday. Uh, that'll be a good game. Keep an eye for the Neo in that Palmieri's team. They're, uh, they're fun to watch as well. And obviously they've had incredible success in recent years in the uh, Copa Libertadores. But yeah, that's um that's a fun game. That's a fun game. And not as straightforward as some from the outside might think. Palmieri's have a real chance to beat Chelsea because they've been together a couple of years. They've had really good success as a team. They're really well coached. Um Abel Ferreira is is very, very good at what he does. He's won Two couple of Dores there in a season and a half, basically. So keep an eye on him as one that might find his way back to Europe to a big job in the coming years. He's forty three years of age. That's a that's a very good team, and they're the first team I think to win back to back couple of Dores in I want to say over twenty years, but I could be wrong on that. But yeah, they're the first team to win it back to back in a while. Um, let's see if I can find. This is great radio, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, list of finals. The last team to win it back-to-back was Boca Juniors. It was 20 years. Boca Juniors won it back-to-back in 2000 and 2001 as part of their four-year, uh, sorry, four-in-eight-year run. So, yeah, it doesn't happen very often. In the last 30 years, it's only happened twice. In the last 50 years, it's happened four times before them. They're the fifth. Only one team has ever won it. Sorry, two teams have won it. 
three times in a row, including Independiente, who won it four times in a row. But yeah, so that's that. That is uh, Chelsea's game is Saturday. Do keep an eye for that. That's going to be worth watching. I would highly recommend watching that if you have the chance. It's 4.30 on Saturday. I think it'll be a really good game. Um, and yeah, I will see you all Monday. Enjoy your weekends. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.